I'm Aaron Barnard. I'm Matt Edwards. What's, What's happening, happening North, North Idaho? Idaho. So this episode, we have a special guest joining us. We have Scott Cleveland, who's running for United States Senate against Mike Crapo. Crapo's been in office for decades. So this one's going to be an interesting interview because we have to figure out, okay, what is he going to do? What's his strategy for getting the incumbent out? Because Crapo is really well known. And why Scott Cleveland thinks he is the best fit for the job. Short disclaimer, though, I am personally helping him with his North campaign. So don't let that stop you from listening to what he has to say. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome, Scott Cleveland, and thank you for joining us today on this haphazard Monday, actually. It's actually really nice. It's not raining outside. It's not anymore. raining for a change. It's been raining for the last 48 hours. It's like the weather knew you were coming to town, I, I guess. Apparently so, apparently so, but uh, that's why the lake is full and the <laughs> river's full and the trees are green, and uh, it's actually pretty nice, but yeah, I've had enough of it. Yeah, I think the rest of us have, too. Very good. But we're here to understand why you are running against Mike Crapo for yes. U.S. Senate for the state of Idaho, why you didn't run in the primary, mm -hmm. because from what I understand, you have been a lifelong Republican, but now you're running as an independent. That's correct. All yes. Right. Yes. And then also why those longtime Republicans should vote for you instead of the guy with the R behind his name. So I'm hoping to get a little bit more insight into your thinking and see if we can get you elected this November. All right. That'd be great. That's the plan. All right. So first off, um, you have a couple of issues on your website, which is clevelandforsenate.com. Mm -hmm. And where you stand on the issue is Crapo's reckless spending. Yes. Now, Mr. Crapo has approved some of these bills every bill that's been put put in front of him every bill that's been put in front of him he has voted for mm -hmm. correct except for this last one mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about why he didn't vote for this one whereas he voted for the rest is that something you know well you know i can't uh, speak to his thinking but i can tell you this um how do you know when it's time for you to elect a new united states senator well, the answer in my mind is when your supposedly conservative center switches teams and starts voting with the likes of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And that is exactly what Mike Crapo did last summer uh, on this uh, so-called infrastructure bill. And I don't know about you guys, but when I when I, I voted for Mike Crapo last time around, I certainly didn't vote for him to go back there and start doing that. And uh, that is a betrayal of the voters of Idaho. And it's not something that should stand. I've heard him explain that vote at least a dozen times in person out on the campaign trail at the various Lincoln dinners and so on, and I'm not buying his argument. Very little, if you look under the hood, very little of that infrastructure bill, $1.25 billion, has anything remotely to do with actual infrastructure. It's, it's mostly just a bunch of green energy nonsense, a bunch of pork spending uh, for, for the uh, uh, environmental crowd, the global, the global crowd, and uh, you know that's just not right. And that's not the only thing that uh, gets me wound up about Senator Crapo, uh, but it's it's one of the big things. Is that infrastructure bill the one that has the Idaho dams 
in it as well? Um, I'm not sure exactly what you're referencing. The the uh, destruction of the dams, or yes. uh, uh, no? That Mike Simpson, uh, our other congressman from District Two, was pr proposing that we breach four dams on the Lower Snake River, and that was a really bad idea too. And yet he won the primary, and he's uh, off to another term in Congress. Uh, that was a really bad idea, but that wasn't uh, Crapo's doing. That was Simpson's doing. They all run together at this point because really, what's the point in looking at federal government? Because they haven't done anything for us. What is it that makes you different? What makes you think that you're better, that this would be a good position for you? Yeah. I mean, federal government, right. I don't know. Why, why should we care? Well, from the highest level and why I decided to get into the race is... Um, I have a political group down in the Treasure Valley. It's called the TV Cops, Treasure Valley Council of Patriots. And that group was born out of the frustration from the results of the 2020 presidential election. My opinion and others, many others, probably more than 50% of Americans feel that that election was not quite on the up and up, to put it at a, at a, at a minimum. And so I got good and angry at the lack of response of the Republican leadership of this country to at least call for an investigation before certifying and placing Joe Biden in office. And uh, the Uniparty in Washington, D.C. apparently doesn't really care how somebody gets into the White House or who's in the White House because they, they just go back and forth on their votes. And Washington, sadly, has become this giant taxpayer money laundering operation, in my opinion. And both parties are guilty of it. And uh, if we're ever going to make change in this country, that has to change. The career politicians like Mike Crapo, who has now been in office 30 years in Washington and 10 years in the state legislature in Idaho before that, that's 40 long years. These people have a slow drift over time to where they no longer spend time with regular Idahoans. Uh, there's a disconnect, the political elite, and they make decisions based on lobbyist and special interest groups and that is causing many of the problems that we're having in this country. And the, the founding fathers designed one mechanism, well, actually two mechanisms into the Constitution uh, to correct that situation. One is the ballot box. You, you can vote these people out of office. And even though I've never held public office, I'm a successful business guy and I am both competent and willing to do the job in Washington. There's nothing uh, miraculous about what these people do. They make decisions. And again, I come back to they're not acting in our best interest. And that, that has got to change if we're going to make progress in America. So that's where my candidacy came from. Now you say you're a business guy. What, mm -hmm. what field are you in? Sure. Well, I've been in the financial services business for the last 30 years. Uh, about 23 of those years, I worked for a Fortune 100 company, a, a New York-based company. Uh, they sent me from New Mexico to, to Boise. And then I, I, I couldn't take any more of the political correctness that is uh, pervaded in, into corporate America. And it was just time for me to move on. So I started my own independent firm. Uh, I basically do retirement planning for regular folks with a little bit of money. I don't have any multi, you know, gazillionaire clients or anything like that. In fact, I have less than 300 clients. I'm an independent advisor. It's me and one employee. It's a very manageable thing, which is a blessing because it also gives me the freedom and flexibility to do what I'm doing now, running for office, which, as you know, is a massive undertaking. But I'm, hap I'm happy to do it. So uh, in my past life before that, I actually owned a trucking company. Uh, I started a trucking company when I was about 25. Uh, had a mobile home transportation and 
set up contracting businesses. It was very dangerous work outdoors in the wind, in the mud. I have some excellent photogra uh, photographs of my time in that industry, but uh, I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing, but I feel compelled to help set things right in this country. I had a long discussion with my wife about it. I did a lot of research. I didn't just jump into this because I was bored. Um, but there's only one reason to run a race like this, Aaron, and that's to win. And that's what I'm planning on doing 155 days from today. That gives question. me anxiety. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know. I, I keep bringing up the date and Aaron's <laughs> eyes just roll back in her head every time. <laughs> I can't blame you, though. I have a question about the, uh, the in it to win it. Mm -hmm. Because let's you know let's be honest here oh sure we're going up against not just mike crapo but he's the republican sure nominate sure for the position and so there's uh that means there's the republican state committee yeah that's going to be behind oh him yeah because he's the r and yeah. then there's all the central committees around around the, right. the state right that are going to be maybe not if anything they're going to be saying like well that's the republican yeah. so yeah uh so that so anyway so uh that's the mountain before yeah, you yeah, how yeah. do you convince republicans even low information right, republicans right, right. to say oh let me give a shot at uh scott cleveland yeah well that's a great question matt and so collectively we call that entity the machine yes. <laughs> you know uh the the republican machine is absolutely behind mike crapo it's the status quo but this this battle is playing out not only in Idaho, but nationally. Uh, what you have is what some people refer to as the rhino group. I no longer call the uh, Republicans rhinos, that leadership group. Uh, I prefer a new term, and, and you, can, you can use it. You can call it your own. I call them blue Republicans because they vote like Democrats, and that happens in Washington, D.C., and it's happening here in the state. This state is controlled, the, the House, the Senate, and the governor's mansion, all by Republicans, and yet look at the legislation, nothing gets done, very little gets done, even in, in this last session. So how is that? It's because they're more like blue Republicans. They vote like Democrats, but they do have the R beside, the, beside their name. And if we're gonna make things right in this country, we're going to have to start putting the country before the party. And I am a conservative first, big C, little R, former R, uh, because of the lack of leadership. If the Republicans would fix their party and start standing up for the values of the patriots, liberty-minded people like myself, uh, I might have stayed in the party or I could have someday returned to it. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. It may happen eventually. Uh, but the trend is the other way. People are leaving the party and joining the independent ranks because they're so frustrated that the Republicans won't clean house. And they keep putting people like uh, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy in positions of leadership. And I've been asked on the campaign trail, would you support those guys as leaders? And my answer is not, a, not only no, but heck no. They're a part of the problem. They work out these backroom deals to provide political cover for the Mike Crapos of the world. And when it comes to voting, uh, that's, that's what you get. So <clears throat> the machine is not unbeatable though. And when I did my research, I knew what way wouldn't work. Uh, there were 10 people in this race for the United States Senate in the primary. And there were five Republican candidates, including your incumbent, Mike Crapo, and then four uh, upstart new challengers. They're all good people. Uh, they all meant well. Their heart was in the right place, but their strategy was flawed. You are not going to beat a 30-year incumbent like Mike Crapo running as a Republican in the primary. Now, why would I ask my supporters and followers 
to sign on to a strategy that they know and I know from day one is doomed to fail May 17th. I wouldn't do that. That's a fool's errand. So the long way around the mountain is to do what I'm trying to do, which is run as an independent. So there's a blessing and a curse to that. The curse is you got to go out and gather a thousand signatures. You get no love from any Republican establishment or money, financial support. That's okay. I don't want their money. Um, but by doing that, getting the thousand signatures, you're a true grassroots candidate and your name automatically goes on the ballot in November. So we did that. It took us two months. Um, but you have to be on the ballot in November. I knew that. And so, yeah, it's an uphill battle, but it's not impossible because I've traveled the state and I've looked at the numbers and Senator Crapo is getting past his sell-by date, if you know what I'm saying. He, he's a good man. This is not a personal attack, but he is off track and needs to go find something to do. Play golf or play with the grandkids because he's out of touch with the voters of Idaho. And the evidence of that, I don't mean to run on and on, but here's the, here's the numbers from the election from two weeks ago. And 33% of the Republican registered voters chose somebody other than Mike Crapo. A full 33%. Wow. Could have chosen Crapo. They didn't. In the, in the primary. In the primary. That's absolutely right. So my challenge is to convince those voters not to be afraid of the word independent. And that's why when we campaign and on all my literature, it's independent conservative all in one breath. Because I'm actually more conservative. I would have never voted with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on this spending. And it, that's just one example of why he needs to be replaced. So I'm not starting at zero. And here's the math for the election. Uh, this is a real fancy diagram. You can see that on camera here. This is I'm a real high-tech guy. So come November 8th, here's what has to happen for me to be successful. 34% of the voters for Cleveland. 33% for Mike Crapo. 30 to 32 for the token Democrat. They've never gotten higher than that in the last 20 years in a statewide, you know, major election. 1% uh, for the others, you know, your libertarian candidate, your constitutional candidate. Those two candidates who will move on to the general collectively got about 1,000 votes, 1,100 votes. They're not a threat to upsetting the election, but they'll get some votes in the general. And so again, I'll, I'll reiterate, I don't have to have 40, 50%. I just have to have one more vote than Mike Crapo. And I think that's possible because I've been traveling the state and the minute I tell somebody who I'm running against, they immediately say, oh yeah, he's got to go. We've had enough of him. Now, they could be just being polite. I, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're not going to know whether I'm successful until November. But it is not impossible. It's doable. The math pencils out because I think I can convince that group of 30, 33%, you do have an alternate. Uh, I was on another interview this morning and I said, all right, without me in the race, and I hear this, oh, you're going to split the vote thing all the time. I'd like to address that if you don't mind. Yeah, I was going to Please ask do. All right, so picture a race that I'm, the, the, the ticket right now, without me in it. You'd have a Constitution party, which is going nowhere. They mean well. I believe in the Constitution, obviously. A libertarian that's, you know, kind of out there a little bit. Um, then you have a Democrat, <clears throat> David Roth, and you have a Democrat light. Mike Crapo. Without me in the race, those are your choices. With me in the race, you have a true conservative that would represent you in Washington, and someone is going to represent you in Washington. The voters are going to have to decide for themselves, do they want a true conservative, even though he has I beside his name, you know, independent, unaffiliated, 
Or do they want Democrat light? I'm giving them a choice they didn't have before without me in the race. But I've got to convince them of that, and that's what campaigning is all about. And I am not lazy. I am working hard. I've been working hard since November, and I'm going to make the most of my opportunity here. Yeah, well, that's that's obvious by your by where you've been. I've seen you at all the a lot of big functions, and then all of a sudden you're down south doing something else down there. So. Yeah. Um, but real quickly, the uh, um, to to address the the spoiler mm -hmm. issue. Right. Um, when you when you do suggest that okay, you could either send if I am the spoiler and the Democrat goes in, it's just a more hardcore Democrat than what Crapo already is. Right. 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 <laughs> Uh, but there's, but then there's the, then there's the majority issue, mm -hmm. you know, right now the Senate is 50, 50. Right. So if it, I mean, you, you're, you're putting your, you're putting a big target on your back, right. um, right. risking being the spoiler, right. yeah. um, for, for a lot of folks around there right. ha with that addressed, have you had any contact? Have you had any, uh, discussions with anybody at a national level of what that means either a for you going to the, to the Senate right uh, but for B for for what it means to possibly uh, tip the scales of, right. of the majority in, in right. Washington right well I've been asked this question uh, Scott if you make it to Washington when you make it to Washington would you caucus with the Republicans and the answer to that is yes most of the time but not all of the time when they want to pass legislation that is bad for the taxpayers and citizens of this country, I don't care what party's asking me to do it. The answer is going to be a big fat no. Uh, reckless spending is an example of that. Border security. Right now, the Republicans uh, in the House and the Senate are turning, a, now with a few exceptions, they're turning a blind eye to what's going on in our southern border. Our country is being invaded. Year to date, 1.5 million people have crossed that border and they didn't get sent home. They've been turned loose mostly all over the countryside. They're bust and flown all over the country at taxpayer expense. And people that say they're not on the taxpayer dole are, are bald-faced liars because these people do get money. I've seen them. I've seen them right in my town of Eagle, Idaho, lined up at the bank cashing checks. Uh, and it is not right. It's despicable. We can't afford that kind of thing. There's human trafficking, drug trafficking, uh, terrorist potential. These people aren't just from Latin America that are coming. They're coming from all over the world, including the Middle East. And I'm pretty sure a lot of those folks aren't really friends to, to Uncle Sam. And they're not being vetted, not one iota. And that is going to come home to roost. And this is not some accident. This is a deliberate uh, attempt by the I call it the O'Biden administration about half the time, uh, to subvert the Constitution of this United States and their oath of office. And what do the Republicans, you see any of them marching around doing much about it? No. And, and that bothers me as much as anything else. Long answer to a short question. Now, you said that you weren't going to support the Republicans all the time. Who do you support in the Senate right now? Well, there's a few good people uh, in, our, in our Congress, you know, um, most of the time, Rand Paul is on track. Uh, I like some of the things that he's done. Uh, certainly, uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Louis Gephardt. Uh, uh, there's a handful of them that are standing up for liberty and the Constitution. But it is a real short list. I don't think you can count them on two hands. I think it's mostly a one-hand count. I just don't trust them anymore. Uh, you can't count on them uh, to be truly conservative 100% of the time. And, and that bothers me. 
I wish more good normal people would run for office. That's what I'm trying to do. Why do you think they're not conservative all the time? Well, I, I think, again, when these people have been in Washington, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, they have special interests chirping at them and, and working them over the coals a little bit. And every once in a while, they have to take one for the team. And uh, it's not right for the voters, but they do it anyways. And with very few exceptions, you see that happen uh, in these votes. And you're right. It, it, the votes now are 51-49, 49-51. So it is meaningful to have a true conservative uh, representing the people of Idaho. Uh, my brother's in New Mexico, and uh, he's rooting for me and helping out from afar. And he's he's convinced. Is that, that outside dark money everybody talks about? Uh, no, no, this is uh, this is just uh, like your brother's money. You know, hey, send me a check for a hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it's a real slush fund, I say. Right. Uh, but but he's convincing people in Idaho to support. Or he's convincing people in New Mexico to support my campaign as well. And here's why he says, "Does it matter to you uh, how you got a conservative into the Senate, even if you support them from afar? There's only a hundred seats in that body." And in New Mexico, sadly, it's very, very difficult to get a true conservative, even a Republican, into the legislature. And he knows that that's probably not going to happen. So he's uh, telling people, well, here's your next best thing. Support my brother up there in Idaho who's trying to uh, kick out a blue Republican. And then we'll have at least one more on that list, that short list. Now, this is going to take time. We're not going to turn the direction of the country around in a two-year period or even a four- or six-year period. This is a 10-, 15-year process to get these people out of office, these career politicians. Uh, some of them are corrupt, clearly. Some are not. But they're misguided. And the founders gave us one way to do that. That's vote them out. That's the easiest way. It's not the only way. Uh, and then you hear a lot of talk about the convention of states. Okay, so that that is a topic. Uh, do I support the idea of the Convention of States? Sure, it's in the Constitution. It's not some radical idea. That's part of the framing documents as well. But it's a very high standard to reclaim control from the federal government, a tyrannical federal government, an out-of-control, over-bloated government, back to the states. You have to get 35 states to convene their legislatures to call for the convention, and after that happens, let's say they uh, implement term limits as their number one issue. They're not there to rewrite the Constitution. Opponents of the Convention of States think, oh, this is a great danger because these radicals want to redraw the country in its entirety, which is not true, but that's how they, they uh, frame the issue. The people that I've talked to with the Convention of States, their idea is, okay, maybe term limits would be a good place to start. So let's get let's get moving on that because we're not having a lot of luck voting them out. But a very high standard, it should be. 35 states, a legislative body say yes. And then if they pass something like term limits, then 38 states would have to ratify that before it would become the law of the land. That is a very high standard if you think about it. Is that likely to happen anytime soon? I don't think anytime soon. So in the meantime, I'm not willing to sit around and wait for that. I say run for office, get other good people, competent, willing people to run for office. And that is a, 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 a solution that is uh, sooner in coming than the long way around with the Convention of States. It's interesting you bring up the um, constitutional process, the amendment process, mm -hmm. because 
your you, you, the position you're running for was dramatically affected by the 17th amendment mm-hmm. which uh made the election of states or the election of U- u.s senators mm-hmm. uh from the the vote of the, the direct vote of the people right rather than the state legislatures right. themselves right what's your opinion on that well i like something that i i nerd out on yeah, sorry, that's okay. sorry to have that, a nerdy that's right. question that's okay i'm well, a nerd uh, <laughs> i i think the more power that you give directly to the people instead of other bodies that can be corrupted over time like a state legislature think if that were the case right now here in idaho um you wouldn't like the outcome of that vote because the state legislature in in idaho there's maybe, maybe 30% of that body are true conservatives. And the rest of them, 85% of them have an R beside their name, but they sure don't vote like like that. I mean, we didn't get much in the way of uh, uh, grocery tax release, property property taxes are going through the roof around here. And, you know, oh, oh I got that uh, $660 million greatest tax relief in history nonsense from Governor Little and I have, I've still haven't seen my seventy-five dollar check. I haven't moved. I don't know. My bank account's not so big. I wouldn't notice seventy-five bucks. Uh, that's all just a bunch of nonsense and pandering to the voters. Uh, it, it's set up. There's nothing wrong with the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Uh, the problem with the Constitution right now is the people that are in office, in power, are not following it. They are yeah, violating 100%. it on a daily basis. And just pick your pick your issue. First Amendment. Now the Second Amendment. Uh, the gun grabbers are in full full mode right now. And uh, it would not surprise me at all within the next two weeks if they don't get ten weak need Republicans to join forces with the leftists. And they start passing some of these red flag laws and all the other things. And they, they want to call it gun control or gun safety, I think is what they use, gun safety. Uh, no, the Second Amendment is clear. Uh, that right shall not be infringed. And they're just using a crisis for political gain. And hopefully many Americans see through that. So Never let a good crisis go to waste. That's exactly right. Rob, uh, Rob Emanuel, uh, Obama's uh, chief of staff or whatever he was, the guy from Chicago. There's a, they're calling the pot calling the kettle black. Chicago with the worst crime violence, gun violence anywhere in the country, uh, telling us that we don't need uh, the Second Amendment anymore. That's rich. <laughs> so going back for a second, what sure. do you think about term limits? I would support term limits. That's an amendment to the Constitution. No small order, uh, but I would sign off on it. I think that would go a long ways to solving the problem. And I've heard the argument, well, we already have term limits. We already have term limits at the ballot box. So if you don't like them, vote them out. Well, how's that working out for us right about now? <laughs> These people keep getting reelected because the low information voter just goes, well, I've heard of that guy. Psh, right? It's like uh, picking a brand of soda that they recognize instead of some weird off-shelf, off-label soda that's probably tastes better and better for you, but you've never had a drink of it. So you know, psh, here I'll, I'll have a you know fill in the blank. Uh, so I would support term limits. I'm not looking for a career. I'm already 61 years old. So when I win the election, I'll go back there and serve for six years, uh, and see how I do at that checkpoint. Uh, if I'm enjoying it, my health is good, and the voters still dig me, I might go for a second term. But that'd be it, you know. By then, you should be out playing golf or with your grandkids or whatever. You're not supposed to be in Congress when you're 80 and 90 years old. These people's brains are not on the uh, highest level, if you know what I'm saying anymore. They should have retired long ago, but why don't they? Yeah. Because of money, greed, power, 
uh, inflated senses of ego entitlement and you see it on both sides of the political aisle I look at those people on TV and I say those are the people representing us and making the law of the land they're barely coherent mm -hmm. I've heard him speak in public I'm not picking on them because of their age but it's a fact you're not in your prime when you're 83 years old mm -hmm. and I won't be in my prime when I'm 83 years old I'll be fishing and hanging out watching a race on TV or something back to your back to this strategy of running as, as an independent sure have you seen success have you looked back in history and seen success either at the national level or the state or the state level where an independent ran I, I know there's been independents mm -hmm. serving in Congress before yes, right. but I think they were elected in the party and then they said I'm gonna become an independent I, I'm trying to remember who that was I don't yeah. know if it was you, uh, it's few and far between. Yeah, it's few and far. Well, I between. know that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just like, is there something that you can to help convince voters that it's possible? Because right. people just they're right. you know they're unconvinced, you know, right. right? And they see the spoiler all the time. Right, I understand that. Well, uh, the most obvious example is Bernie Sanders. Right. Bernie Sanders is an independent. Now, does he caucus with the Republicans? Not so much. <laughs> okay, so I, I picture the same kind of situation except me caucusing with the Republicans most of the time, but not all of the time. I do not see myself beholden to the leadership of the Republican Party unless there's a major cleaning house uh, at the speaker level. Um, uh, Mitch McConnell, McCarthy, those kinds of guys are just part of the swamp. Yeah. And they control... Everything that goes on downstream, just like Brad Little controls everything that goes downstream, he and his minions control every aspect of what gets passed in the Idaho legislature or gets shoved in a drawer never to be seen again. We had meaningful legislation in this last session here in Idaho, and much of it, 95% of it, gets quashed. At whose directive? Uh, the buck stops with Brad Little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all right. So you're making the case here, the, the conservative Bernie Sanders. Well, yeah, without the sweater, <laughs> without the sweater <laughs> and the gloves, the mittens, yeah, the right? Mittens, you know yeah, that pose I'm yes, talking about, yes, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> Yeah, there's another guy that should not be in Congress right, anymore. Right. And he's yeah. been bought off. Don't try to convince me that he doesn't have three houses bought and paid for oh, by Hillary Clinton uh, campaign uh, to get him out of the, out of the way because he had, he had, uh, he had momentum. He would have beat Hillary Clinton. Had they not uh, edged him aside and said, "No, no, no, you haven't been approved by the party bosses." Yeah, that's a conversation for another day. That's Absolutely. a whole other. That's a whole other yeah, segment right there. Yeah, one. sure. <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, yes, okay, uh, it, it's few and far between. But we're not living in normal political times. Uh, the 2020 election was not normal. Right. The COVID and all the response and tyranny that followed—that's not normal. And anybody that thinks we're returning to the normal of yesteryear. Uh, I, you know, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you because I don't think we're going back there. And nationally, this battle is playing out. You are seeing people that have never been in politics get elected to offices that otherwise you'd have said, hey, wow, how'd that happen? The mood against incumbents is pretty high. This happened in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was uh, swept into power. The, the uh, uh, Newt Gingrich revolution, mm -hmm. uh, it was, uh, uh, the theme was uh, kick the bums out. And a bunch of them did get kicked out. Yeah, and we saw here in this primary, I mean, the, the incumbent slaughter, mm -hmm. uh, people were not afraid to, to kick out the incumbent. Yeah. 
even good conservative incumbents right <laughs> got, yeah. got so the people are the people know it can happen yeah. and i think if you're able to capitalize yeah. on that and capitalize on that yeah. message and then i think it also is in pointing out what it is that your your main yeah. opponent in this race yeah. has done i mean right. do you want to point out some 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 well highlights here it, sure I, I i don't mind that opportunity i think somebody's <laughs> somebody's record their track record <laughs> Uh, is uh, is fair game. You know, it's not a personal attack. And again, Senator Crapo has been in office for a long time now, 30 years in Washington. Uh, I saw an Idaho Press Tribune interview with him, I don't know, back in back in February, and they interviewed him and blah, blah, blah. And the bottom line was he decided, he, he was really torn to run for re-election or not at age 70, 71. And he decided, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I have unfinished business in Washington. And uh, I really don't have anything else to do. Well, not having a hobby is hardly a reason to send a United States senator back to office. And here's another point. Now that he's started voting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, let's say he does get reelected. What's going to prevent him from doing that for the next six years? I mean, he has nothing left to lose at that point. He's already demonstrated his willingness to cooperate with the libs. Uh, that's not a chance I'm prepared to take. And the voters have to ask themselves that. Is that a chance you're willing to take? There's nothing more dangerous than a politician or a leader of a, of a company who knows he's on his way out because there's no repercussion. There's no accountability. Uh, so my Mike Crapo fact list is pretty short, but I'll, I'll share this one and people can challenge me on it if they want. Mike Crapo spends very little time in Idaho. Now, I know you have to be a resident technically to, to hold the seat and run for office. So I suppose he might have a house in... Uh, down, uh, I think he's got an apartment maybe in downtown Boise. Perhaps he has a house over in Idaho Falls where he's supposedly from. I don't know. I'm hoping the guy moves back someday. Uh, you will never, <laughs> you will never run into this guy at the grocery store or the gas station. Now he does come around every six years. Why? Because he's got to convince you that he's the guy and he's the important guy in Washington. In fact, I can't, I got to leave my uh, Lincoln uh, dinner here half an hour early because I'm getting called back to Washington for important duty. So when he's off duty, when he's off duty, and I know he's supposed to spend time in Washington, but when he's off duty, he's in Washington, D.C., or he's in Utah with his family, uh, kids and grandkids. You can't deny him that, but he's never in Idaho. I never I never run into him. Uh, he does not attend any GOP committee meetings. Uh, he doesn't have to because he's treated like a deity. He gets a royal pass. Uh, he does not grant interviews with the public. You cannot get this guy on the radio or radio program or an in-person live discussion. He will not take calls from the audience in person or on the radio. And I dare anyone to challenge me that. If they do take questions, it's from a softball host, a friendly host, who's going to lob softballs. And that's uh, that doesn't hold him accountable. Uh, a couple other things, you know. He his his religious faith. They're supposed to abstain from alcohol, and yet in 2012, he was arrested after running a red light, doing a U-turn, some illegal car maneuver, while intoxicated, and was arrested for it. You would think that a 60-year-old United States senator would have better sense than to endanger the public than that. 22-year-old kid at a frat party gets a little juiced and has a DUI. Okay, not good, but you can chalk it up to uh, youthful indiscretion. A 60-year-old sitting United Senator should know better. What year did this happen again? 2012. No. It's on the record, and anybody that wants to check that out. Uh, here's one that is not widely known. 
In 2018, Mike Crapo was fined for campaign finance violations. That's what? since his last election. Uh, it had to do with some, uh, you know, Federal Election Commission reporting. His wife is doing some gift baskets oh, no. uh, to the tune of 20000 Now, he's been back there long enough to know the rules, and he should be able to follow the rules, and he did not, and he was fined for that. Now, maybe that's a little thing, uh, but maybe it's not a little thing. Uh, he's got... He's got $6 million plus in his campaign coffers as we sit here today. That's a ton of money. If you filter down through the federal election donor site and sort that out into Idaho versus non-Idaho contributions, it's disgusting. 98% of his money comes from outside of Idaho. So who does he represent? Big tech, big pharma, big insurance, anybody except the grassroots people of Idaho. I don't have any of that funding. Now, I don't need $6 million to beat him. I need a couple million bucks, yeah. which is not going to be easy to round up. But, uh, you know, that is part of the problem, and that is verifiable. He laments the damage that Joe Biden and company does constantly. When he is on an interview, he'll lament all the damage that Joe Biden is doing to the country. And yet I'll remind the voters, he's a never-Trumper. In 2016, when Trump was running for office, Mike Crapo pulled his support publicly for Donald Trump's candidacy. If it was up to him, we'd have never had a Trump presidency. Do you think he voted for him in 2020? I, 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 I would say no. <laughs> I would say no. Oh, we could ask him if he'd ever take a question, but you'll never get a chance to ask him that question. You know what I would ask him, Aaron? I would ask him this. And I ask this of every single candidate that comes before my Patriot group or I have contact with. And it's a simple question. It's a litmus test. Do you believe that Joe Biden was legitimately elected in 2020? Yes or no answer only. I don't want to hear of, well, it's more complicated or but this and that. You either believe that Joe Biden was legitimately elected or not, and I'm in the not camp. And it should have been investigated. There's now mountains of evidence, if you care to look, uh, that, that supports that. Uh, documentary films, video footage, I mean, you're going to believe me or your own eyes. I mean, there is footage of people stuffing ballots. There's footage of people uh, pulling uh, 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 boxes of ballots and running them through the machines at 2 o'clock in the morning down in Georgia. I'm pretty sure that happened. So uh, I've heard all the uh, counter arguments to that. Well, there's been no verifiable evidence, blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's just not true. Uh, what is, what about, um, and I don't, you know, forgive me if, if uh, this catches you off guard, mm. but... You have a, a, other opponents and the other, like you broke down the percentages right, sure. before. Um, the, uh, David Roth, I mm -hmm. said, he said yes. will, will be the Democrat nominee. Mm -hmm. What is your what is your pitch to, you know, the folks that are completely disillusioned with Crapo? Right. Um, but are like, uh, but what happens if I vote for Roth? Right. Do you know anything about Roth? Uh, no, I, I don't know anything about Mr. Roth. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I know that there's always going to be a, a Democrat component to any statewide office here, and they get yeah. somebody to run. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not David Lee Roth with Van Halen. <laughs> See, I'm now he would sure have I, my vote. I'm sorry. I, I understand that. Well, that, that's good news for me because I'm pretty sure it's not David Lee Roth. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Van, it's not the Van Halen guy. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, uh, you know, he'll, he'll run, and again, if you look at all the historical data, you're never going to see a candidate like that draw more than 30, 
you know, 30 to 32%. That's where it tops out. It's just like in a trading range for yeah. a stock. It yeah. goes here to here, here to here, and, that, and that's about it. And, but the, the issue is this. You have to vote for somebody that closely aligns with your values, your core values, who you are as a person, and your belief system. And, uh, you know, money laundering through green energy, if that's what Crapo supports now, I don't see why anybody that is a true conservative would vote for more of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, when Mr. Crapo came into office, I looked it up because I'm a math guy and I do my oppo research. When Mr. Crapo came into office, we were only $4 trillion in debt as a country, $4 trillion with a T. Uh, now we are $30.4 While he's been in office, the federal deficit that your children and grandchildren would be paying off long after we're gone, uh, that increase is 660%. That day of reckoning is coming at some point. I don't know we're sailing off the financial cliff, but we, but to address it, we got to stop it from going up, stop the reckless spending, uh, flatten it out, and then get it going the other direction. We have the economy and the strength of, as a country to be able to do that. But it's not that we don't have the revenue. It's where we're spending money. We're spending it on social programs and green energy and a bunch of other nonsense instead of taking care of the people that deserve it most in this country. The average citizens, the middle class, not big business, the middle class is getting crushed by these gas prices. And they're not going to put up with it forever. Do you think we'll ever get Social Security back? Well, Social Security is an issue, and I deal with that in my retirement planning business. So, you know, if somebody's in their you know, late 40s, 50s, they're going to get some Social Security benefits. It's not going to go broke that quick. Um, but it, it definitely needs some adjustments and uh, to, to salvage the program, you have, you have two levers that you could manipulate to um, make sure that somebody in their 20s or 30s gets it someday in the future. Uh, one is a slight tax increase, a payroll tax increase. Uh, if my math is correct from the last time I researched this, if they increase the payroll tax a half a percent today, just a half a percent, that would extend the bankruptcy of, pay, of Social Security by 40 years. Okay, that, that could be done. Now, I'm not usually a proponent of tax increases, but if you want to save the program, you might have to look at that. The other thing that has to happen is you, you have to eight, raise the age it's which you begin receiving those benefits. But you can't have this hard cutoff where the people that have paid into that system and are counting on it and have planned their retirement around it, all of a sudden the deal changes. What you have to do is to say, okay... From this age on, these people are grandfathered into the old program. They get it the way it was set up and designed. And the people that are between 20 and, say, 35 or 40, whatever, these people are going to have a graduated program where they're going to be on the new plan, but it's going to be phased in over time, so they're not just clobbered with it. Uh, you can salvage a program like that, but like most things in America, they don't want to deal with it until it's an absolute crisis. Well, and even then, it, nothing ever happens. I mean, we just went through a two-year crisis. Right. We're still in the middle of this two-year crisis. Right. And what have they done to protect the rights of the people? Yeah. I mean, they're not even enforcing it. Like you said, we just need to enforce the Constitution. That's right. And heads need to roll, you yeah. know, uh, uh, figuratively. Can I, do I need to make, make sure that yeah, I'm saying yes, Disclaimer is good, would yeah, be good right here. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Figuratively, <laughs> yeah. heads need to roll. Right, right. And um, when you got guys like Crapo who have allowed, like you said, the deficit to, to creep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that much who sit in their 
office in Washington and Utah, apparently. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm just yeah. learning yeah, that. Right, right. Uh, and and um, and not and not speak out yeah. like some of the folks you mentioned earlier. Sure. You know, God bless Rand Paul and how he takes on Fauci. Yep. You know, I mean, there's somebody's somebody's doing that. Yeah. And we need more of those types of, of folks right. to, to hold people right. accountable. Like how right. much how much of that are you willing to stake in, in terms of being that citizen voice? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll lead the I'll lead the charge. Uh, I'm not afraid of controversy. I'm not to speak. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. And sometimes that's not popular. Uh, look at how the mainstream media attacks somebody like a Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, or a similar similar type of candidate. And you know what? I'm not trying to win a popularity contest here. I'm trying to go do what's right for people. And I think if you can convey that message clearly and concisely, I am for average citizens, not the wealthy and not the elite. Uh, Like the late George Carlin used to say, that elite group, that wealthy club, it's a special club and brother, you ain't in it. (laughs) And that's how they look at us. It's the elite versus the peasants. And they want to control every aspect of our life. And that is not the way our country was designed. And it's been a slow drift. This didn't happen overnight. This has happened over the last 60 years or so. And we need to get back to the way, to the things that made America great. Now, America is still great, but she is headed in the wrong direction. And it's not too late to salvage it. And what it takes is people willing to say, I'm going to support this guy over here. So he's never held public office. He's run a successful business. He's a married guy. He knows a bit about taxes and finances. That's not a bad thing because most of the problems are money problems back there. And uh, I don't think I could do a worse job than what's going on there now. I mean, honestly, that's not much of a campaign slogan. I'd be slightly less worse than the guy that's there now. But think it through. Someone is going to represent the voters of Idaho. Somebody is going to next November make a decision. And if you like the results that you're getting out of this bunch that's been in office, then keep voting for them. Albert Einstein is somebody I admire. And Albert Einstein's, one of his most famous quotes was, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's an Einstein quote. It's our fault. We keep voting for these people. Me on the list included, but no more. And that's what it's going to come down to in November. If you like what you've been getting, then support those incumbents. If you don't like what you've been getting, send them home. Send them into retirement. Send them on home, I say. Great. Well, I'm good, Aaron. What about you? You got some more questions over here? Oh, I could always have more yeah. questions. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a creditor. <laughs> All right. I've been digging into um, election integrity a lot. Yeah, okay. And so I know you said that you do not believe that the 2020 election was valid. Right. Well, they validated it, wow. but it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, there was uh, no, no doubt a fraudulent result. So people say that every election moving forward is not going to be valid because mm-hmm. of that, because mm-hmm. we never went back and looked at the 2020 election. Right. How do we make it safe? Is there anything that we can do to make these elections safe? Or are people just going to be disillusioned with the, with the results every time now? Well, I think you'll always have people that are, you know, not trusting the results of election. And they didn't do anything in 2020 to uh, bolster that. So it's a complex issue, but it starts with the voter rolls. The voter rolls are not purged often enough. And uh, because they don't purge them often enough and, and, and match up databases with people that have now moved out of state, they've gotten a driver's license in Texas, but they're still on the rolls here. 
uh, in this modern electronic era, that should be in era. There should that should be instant. If somebody moved out of state and they're not coming back, um, they should be off the rolls because the the fraudsters use those voter rolls to get someone's name and cast a ballot, usually an absentee ballot, in that person's name. And the person didn't cast the ballot, but yet it gets run through the machine. And once it goes into the box, it gets counted and they don't they don't fish it back out and say, wait a minute, we have now since found that this person is out of state. So cleaning up the voter rolls, uh, the machines are, are certainly questionable. I spent, uh, I don't know, four or five hours with the Ada County clerk, who will now probably be our Secretary of State, Phil McGrain. Don't uh, because me. part of my part of my uh, uh, patriot group, our number one issue was election integrity. Let's get involved in that before we worry about the next election. Let's go back and have a look at this one because it didn't sit well. Just think of what happened on that night. I'm watching. We had a watch party at our house, and there's about you know 30 of our friends there having a good time watching the election. Trump is doing pretty well around about 10 o'clock, and simultaneously. They stopped counting votes in the key six swing states. That has never happened in my lifetime. And my suspicion meter went straight up, and rightly so, because then we had the Biden bump, right? They're counting votes at 3 o'clock in the morning in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Georgia. And sure enough, what happened? The fix was in. They knew how many votes they needed, and miraculously, they just showed up. So there's lots of evidence to that effect, but the the how how to solve the problem is you can tighten election integrity laws legislatively. There were some good bills here in Idaho that were brought forth. Most of the problems lie in in paper ballots, absentee ballots, and stuffing the ballot boxes using mules. Uh, right there in Eagle, where my office is, there is a drop box in front of Eagle City Hall, and the mayor is a friend of mine, Jason Pierce. He's a great guy, great conservative. And I asked him one day, uh, hey, Jason, I noticed you got that box out there in front of City Hall, and there's sort of a camera up here in the corner pointed down at that ballot box. Uh, in the 2020 election, tell me about that camera feed. Where's that camera feed go? Does that go straight to Phil McCrane's office down at Ada County Clerks? He goes, oh, no, 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 that's a city camera. I said, the city of Eagle? I, he said, yeah. I said, well, are you watching the election to make sure there's no shenanigans? Who's monitoring that feed or the video, the tape? He goes, no, we don't even keep it. I said, well, we'd like to have a look at it. No, we don't keep it. So they don't. They, he admitted they don't even have the footage. Absolutely, because oh. it's not part of the election process. Oh, it was just happened to be a city camera that was looking down. Yeah, because there was a ballot box there. Now some of the other locations they do have cameras that the county clerk's Designed office, but that's not that. the point. The point is, if you knew that, you'd go stuff the eagle box instead of the one that they are monitoring, mm -hmm. because you'd get away with it. And the, the further we looked into it, the more holes and gaps uh, there are in election integrity. So after a long training session, discussion session, I asked Phil to his face, and Phil's not a bad guy, uh, I asked Phil to his face, who controls the machines, the software and the hardware of all these fancy tabulators? Does the Ada County Clerk's Office control the machines and the software, or do the people that sell the machines and the software control the machines? And guess what the answer was? We don't control it. We just run the elections. Mm -hmm. Now, how can that be anything that you would call secure? In my world, I would never sign off on that. That's got to be changed. That's a legislative change. Then you look further into the 44 counties of Idaho, 
each county runs their election pretty much however they want. Mm -hmm. You got some of these little tiny counties scattered in the hinterlands with people using IBM XTs with a crank on the side of it as their secure machine to transmit data back and forth. People with shoe boxes of ballots in one county and people with high-tech systems and million dollar scanners and sorters in Ada County why wouldn't you in a statewide election have a standardized process for all 44 counties? You don't in Idaho. And if you don't believe me, go ask the Secretary of State the exact same question. There is no standardized process. That's absurd. No wonder we have people questioning election integrity. And the results, they don't they just don't seem to seem to match up. I'm convinced that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. I'm not convinced he got it from 81 million voters. <laughs> So is there something that you can do at a federal level to be able to help with the election integrity, or is it just a state level thing? Well, you know, this is a state sovereignty issue. The states have been given authority, and, and, and rightly so, to conduct their own elections uh, the way that they see fit. And I would not be one to step in the way of that, unless we keep getting bogus election results that are clearly questionable, and everybody wants to sweep it under the rug. Uh, there's not a mechanism to where the feds could come into play. If there were a mechanism to challenge an election and to get to the bottom of it, because I, I don't know about you, but I'm not in a hurry to find out who won. I want to make sure the right person won. Uh, here's one I would like to see. And I would like to see this at a federal level because I think this would restore confidence in the vote. Currently, nowhere in the United States of America can you verify that your vote was counted for the candidate that you cast your ballot for. And I asked uh, the Ada County clerk, uh, can you tell me about my ballot? And he says, oh yeah, let me look you up here. Give me your driver's license. He brings me up on the computer. He says, Scott, in 2020, you voted on October, I don't know, 18th at the mobile center, the mobile voting booth. It came through Eagle. It was right down the street from my office. I said, boom, let's do it. So they told me when I voted, where I voted, and that was all good. But I want to know that my vote went through that machine. And if I voted for Donald J. Trump, which I did, that that vote was counted for him. And they will not allow you to do that. And they hide behind the issue of secrecy. We're supposed to have a private ballot. So your spouse doesn't know who you voted for, your employer, because you know what if you got a lefty as your boss, you want to be on the down low. I understand the, in the need for secrecy, but my point to these election officials, it's not secret to me. I'm the one who cast the ballot. I want to be able to look after the fact and say, yep, they counted mine for Donald, J Donald John Trump. Yay for me. I mean, it's hard to do that. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that because the secrecy issue is one thing, as you pointed right. out. But uh, and I've seen, I think it's in Arizona where um, one of the suggestions is is that each ballot has a secret or a, like a QR code right, or something right. that is only sure. known to you. Right, right. And it could also could all it could be like just as you're saying, like a like almost like a safety deposit box, like a Snapchat thing. You yeah, get to you use it the, one time, you get to look at it, and pff, it goes into the cloud or exactly. whatever. Right? Yeah, you have the encryption sure. key. It's yeah. connected to your ballot, and you get to look at it any any day you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me see who I voted for again. Yeah. Let me see that vote yeah. for Trump yeah. again or whatever it is. And I, and I don't think until you get to that point where people can verify their ballots yeah. and have confidence in this system and the machines uh, the machines need to be uniform. Uh, we've got all kinds of problems with the machines. But the good news is this. People know that that wasn't right and they have gotten involved. They have gotten up off of the couch and off the sidelines in droves like never before. 
There are poll watchers, there are poll workers, there are poll challengers. There's election integrity groups and social media. And these are some wicked smart people. And they're working with some even smarter people to get to the bottom of how exactly does this work. And I'm confident that they're not going to give up on that lightly. These people do not like an election being stolen from them, not from Donald Trump, but from the people that supported Donald Trump. That's why they're angry, uh, and they should be. Well, great. I think I'm I'm pretty much wrapped All right. up. What are you thinking? Yeah, anything else you want to leave the well, listeners with? Well, I don't know. On, on the laundry list here, I, I would just like to remind voters how to find out information. Please, about, yes. You know, our website's not perfect. You know, it's, it's a work in progress. It's, it's not bad, though. It's pretty robust. It's clevelandforsenate.com. And I'd just like to leave the voters with this. An independent conservative is not somebody to be afraid of. It's, in, it's somebody to be inspired by. And again, you are going to have someone represent you in Washington, D.C., and I don't trust Mike Crapo to keep voting for conservatives when he's already demonstrated that he is not willing to do that. And that's just not something I want to uh, see happen for the voters of Idaho. This state is in danger of turning from red. Doesn't, doesn't mean conservative. It, it is red, but not conservative as you'd like. We don't need it going purple and then blue. And that's where we're headed with the type of leaders we keep sending to Washington, D.C., and to the state legislature. So much work to be done, and I'm excited to be a part of it. And thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. Fantastic. Cle uh, Cleveland for Senate.com. That's it. Cleveland, not Crapo. <laughs> How could you forget that? It's easy. I, yeah, yeah. It's easy, right? <laughs> I, love it. I, I, I picture a bumper sticker with that on there. <laughs> you well, have any? I do. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for coming today. It's right. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. All right, Aaron, I thought that was an awesome interview. I agree. I think he has a very interesting strategy, but it's doable. You think so? That's think that's so. where I'm kind of like, how is this possible? 34% of the vote, man, that's all he needs. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, and, and I pressed him on it while, while we were talking about it, which, which was the fact that, like, you end up being the spoiler, and it's, like... He's got a target on his back forever. Like, no one will ever trust him. No one will like him or anything, you know? Nothing can be as bad as Mary Sue said. <laughs> yeah, that real. was a, a tough a tough spoiler. Especially because it, she wasn't even, like, it wasn't, like, a chunk that took away. You know, there's enough, I feel like there is enough runway for Crapo. Um, or there's enough runway for Cleveland to take from Crapo. And and possibly get that 34%. You're yeah. right. Because if, if uh so yeah, so I mean, look, he's the one that made this decision and crunched the numbers. So, um, spoiler or not, um, it, it's worth a shot because I, you know, I liked I liked what he was saying and and um, in terms of uh, of what Crapo's been doing and what he's been backing and voting for and, and falling in line with with the establishment. It's now or never, right? And that's what it is. Cleveland has the tailwind behind him. He has the people who are done. They're done with Crapo. And I think that's where his bread and butter lies. Yeah. So I think he has a shot. I think we all need to work together, just yeah. like we always have, and we can get it done. Right, right. All right, great. Well, um, thanks for listening to this episode, everybody. Thank you.